Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You may not believe it, but I actually still have my voice today. Sort of. It's not at full tilt, but it's close enough at this point. I'll take it. Yesterday was a uh, an amazing day. A bit of a harrowing day, but an amazing one. Yesterday, we had our five-hour trade deadline live show, and then personally, I drove out and did two college basketball play-by-play games back-to-back with about a five-hour break in between. So all told, uh, I did about nine and a half hours of broadcasting yesterday, and um, by the end of the night, I felt like I was going to speak and dust was just going to come flying out of my mouth. It didn't. I survived. I'm okay, Uh, but it is part of why I wanted today's show to be a little bit later. I just, whatever hours my voice could get today were critical. Uh, As as far as yesterday goes, I'm just like, I'm still over the moon. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in, for liking the video before or during the broadcast. There were uh, 1,242 likes on the video, far and away the most we've ever had. Uh, There were over 18,000 views on the video, far and away the most we've ever had. I think the previous high was 13,000, the trade deadline show two years ago, and just absolutely obliterated that almost by 50%. Uh, I mean, there's there's like almost nothing close. You know, there was a... uh, uh, an episode, there was a, a video that the great Alan Sorokin uploaded uh, of steals and busts in October of 2021. And that one, like, hit the algorithm with all the fattiest fat juice that you could possibly find. And that got up to 12,000. So 18 is crazy. We had over 2,000 people watching live at one point. Again, I, I just, I don't, like, I cannot express to you guys how excited I was to see all that happen in real time just to be a part of it. And then uh, does a fun show. You know, I, I know the trade deadline didn't have the big names moving, but we had some cool stuff that happened, and we got to break it down, and I tried to do some, you know, little mini graphics, getting the tweets up on the board as fast as humanly possible so as you guys could know what I was talking about. We'll do a better job of some of that stuff next year. Andre has already reached out to say that he can help with keeping the live board up to date, so that would be one thing that I'm not trying to do while talking. Uh, and then obviously next year we'll have Brew back in the mix who's in recovery from uh, surgery on his shoulder, neck, arm for a thoracic outlet. But anyway, what a blast. Thank you all. Today, it's a Week in Review show, which is complicated today uh, because the trade deadline happened yesterday, and we mostly won't see the results of that until tomorrow or Sunday. So there's a very real chance that I convince my family to let me do a show on Sunday just to talk about what happened tonight and Saturday. Because you might get a couple of guys that suit up for their new teams today, like the trades that went down on Wednesday. You probably see those those guys suit up if their teams are playing today. The trades from yesterday, deadline day, probably you won't see those players until tomorrow. Uh, And obviously I'll be tweeting about it rampantly at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Some of you are actually watching on uh, Twitter right now, so make sure you hit the follow button if you're doing that. If you're watching on YouTube, like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. And if you're listening after the fact, or watching after the fact, subscribe, rate, like, all that good stuff. Whatever you can do to to continue helping us grow, that is also a really big deal. Uh, but I, I just, like, I don't want to make you guys wait all the way until Monday to get the results of trade stuff If you're not following on Twitter, if you're not the social media type and you're the pod type, I'd like to try to get that to you sooner, if at all possible. So we'll see if that all adds up. This is, of course, Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Um, There's the other side of this for me, again, on the personal side, as as we start to dive into the stuff we're talking about today, which is how do I get my energy level as high as yesterday uh, if we're back to, you know, between 50 and 150 people watching live and, you know like a thousand to fifteen hundred people that take in the show like i'll admit it's not as easy there's like one twentieth the audience 
Anywho, let's get let's do some fun. Uh, it's week 16 in review. We're going to cover stuff that happened over the last few days. This was, as I wrote here on the screen, a hard one. So I added a new category because it's a chaos week. Uh, that'll come up. You'll see it as we work our way through. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Follow Ethos Fantasy BK. I wish we had picked an easier one, uh, but that's an awesome Twitter news feed. Like, rate, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Let's go. Ads of the week. Andre Drummond, and I put that out on Twitter in the middle of the night. I scheduled the tweet for that one because I basically was going to sleep at like 12.30 in the morning. I thought, you know what? This would be better if I'd schedule it for a few hours from now when people on some coast are awake. Why, a bunch of people said, why on earth would you put Andre Drummond on this list after just a day and a half ago you said, I don't expect Andre Drummond to keep his starting job and for the Bulls to go big starting five like they did against the Wolves. Well, guess what? Egg on my face because Drummond didn't start the game, but did play 31 minutes against the hapless zombie Grizzlies. It doesn't mean he's going to get this kind of run every single day. No, it does not mean that. He had 21 and 13. He shot 10 of 11 from the field. Again, it's just, it's not going to be that good. And he missed two of his three free throws, which is always going to be a problem for Drummond. But it does seem like, and maybe some of it is because Patrick Williams is out right now. So perhaps that's a thing that shifts this back in another direction because he gives them sort of a more rangy wing type as opposed to right now, Ayo Desunmu, Alex Caruso, Kobe White. Caruso is awesome defensively, but they are not a big backcourt when those three guys are all playing at the same time. DeMar DeRozan, I guess then the power forward in that lineup, also not a particularly big dude. So they're lacking in size when they're running that small. They've swung the pendulum all the way over to the opposite polar extreme. They've gone from a very small lineup to a massive one, with Vooch and Drummond rolling side by side. This has been kind of interesting for Vooch because... For whatever reason, it seems like he's much more willing to get a chuckin' at the four as opposed to the five. He's taken a bunch of shots here in this ballgame. And yeah, you know, some of it has to do with who's in and who's out. But still interesting to see him lead the team in field goal attempts in that last ball game. He also led the team in plus minus. He's still hovering in the 40s, 45 on a per game basis, which, mind you, is still about 15 slots ahead of where he was drafted. And by totals, my fine feathered friends, uh, he's number 35, so he's blitzing his ADP again. You know, he's not a first-rounder by totals. He's not a second-rounder on a per-game basis, but he's a win. I don't know why people still clowning on him like he's not a win. He's a two-round win on the per-game side, and he's a three-round win on the totals side. Talking about Vooch here. Uh, as far as Drummond goes, there's so much nuance to this that I can't express on social media and why I need these podcasts to get into the weeds a little bit more. If Patrick Williams comes back and knocks Drummond off of this increased playing time, then we move on. But the reason that he's on the ads board right now is because for two reasons. Number one, we don't know that that's going to be true. Patrick Williams could come back and it could have no impact on Drummond. It could ruin Iota Sumo instead. So we don't know is the first one. We don't know what's going to happen when Patrick Williams comes back. Who's the the big loser there? Because he'll play. And two, we don't want to be behind the curve on this one because Andre Drummond in starters-level minutes is an absolute Goliath. He's going to be weighed down considerably by his free throw percent, which is dog do. Uh, but if this dude's playing 30 minutes... I mean, like... We have lots of seasons to look back at to say, oh, what does Andre Drummond do if he gets mid-20s or higher in minutes? He's a walking double-double. With the rebounds generally the easier part of that equation for him. We don't have to go all that far back. You know, he was a backup in Philly a couple years ago. He's been a backup in Chicago as a backup in Philly, he averaged nine rebounds a game in 18 minutes. He spent half of that season with Brooklyn also. Averaged 10 rebounds a game in 22 minutes. He was a backup for the Lakers the year before that. I think it was a, was that a buyout or a trade? I don't remember. Averaged a double-double in 24 minutes. 
13 and a half rebounds in Cleveland earlier that right earlier or later doesn't matter my brain fried anyway we only need about 24 minutes at a Drummond for him to post a double double and to be able to probably get close to a steal and a block per ball game we're always going to be staring down that damn free throw percent and just praying that it's at like 55 to 60 and he doesn't take more than three of them but you know it happens and you got to hope the field goal percent is fine, which it usually is. It usually is okay. Uh, he had that one-year mix in there where he couldn't shoot the ball. It was with the Cavaliers in 2020, and it was a half a season. Mostly he's, you know, mid-50s. So punt free throw, this is an absolute no-brainer. But I think even without that, you got to be in front of this one to see how it plays out. Because if suddenly the Bulls are just like, you know what, screw it. We're going jumbo package the rest of the year and Drummond's playing 26, 27 minutes, then he's dominating. Fantasy, reality, whatever. He doesn't really have a year that you could just say, you could point at and say, oh, here's a season he played 27 minutes. The closest would be somewhere between that Lakers and Cavs split 2020 to 2021. That was the uh, planned shortened season. Uh, He was at 25 minutes with the Lakers. He was at 29 with the Cavs, played about the same number of games with each. So in about 27 minutes a game, and again, we, you know, we may be overextending ourselves a tiny bit here, uh, he averaged about 14 points and a dozen rebounds. You don't think that plays? That plays. Next name on the ads board is Buddy Heald, and that's a direct result of the trade deadline. Some of this stuff is trade deadline related, and some of it isn't. Drummond is not. Buddy Heald is. Could he turn into a pumpkin when Joel Embiid comes back? That's a distinct possibility. But, look, Sixers also moved Pat Beverly. They brought in Campaign, who seems likely to play less than Beverly. Beverly's a better basketball player than uh, Cameron Payne is. Uh, yeah, DeAnthony Melton is due back at some point here, but the Sixers need some spacing. And I expect, look, they went out and they got this guy. This was a dude they were aiming for. They wanted to get Buddy healed. Uh, he's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to shoot. And when he plays and shoots, he's a fantasy asset. So make sure he's on every roster, as far as the eye can see. Because, look, Embiid is probably not coming back any sooner than at least six weeks from now. Probably more like eight. So you're kind of talking about healed like he's basically just a rest-of-season guy. Do I need to go into that much detail here? Do people think he's going to get less than, like, 26, 27 minutes? I don't. It seems like they went and got him. Uh, I'm going to jump around on this list a little bit. These lists that I write up, if you're watching the video, is just the order that I look at teams as I'm scanning the NBA to make sure that I get all the names possible into these shows. Uh, Marvin Bagley is the next one, also trade deadline related. He is injured right now, dealing with a low back thing, which could be a game, could be two, could be five. We don't actually really know. Uh, But when he comes back, I expect Bagley to be the starting center on that Wizards team. And while I admit I loathe Marvin Bagley's fantasy game, it requires a lot for him to actually get to a playable number, meaning how many minutes does he have to play to be fantasy relevant? He basically needs full starters minutes unimpeded. Unimpeded. And there aren't that many... Spots, like, there really isn't a time in his career that he's had full starters minutes unimpeded. Even back in Sacramento when he was young and he was this fresh new thing that they took instead of possible superstars all around him. Whoopsies. Uh, Even then, you know, some days it was 30 minutes and some days it was 20. It's got to be 30 every day for Bagley to hit fantasy value because he's a bad foul shooter. His field goal percent is... A bit unpredictable. It's been very good this year, but throughout his career, it's kind of bounced between like 46 and 53, and it's hard to, honestly, it's hard to know which iteration you're going to get. The rebounds are fine. You know, starters, slightly sub-starters minutes, he can still get you like seven of them. But the steals and blocks, generally not all that great. They were okay right at the very beginning of his career. It's weird to say that he's kind of in the middle of it now, but... You're talking about one combined 
in sub starters minutes. And that's why there needs to be more because this is a guy who in, you know, 20 some odd ish minutes a game. What's he at this year right now? Bagley in 20 minutes a game. He's outside the top 250. So he isn't even in the vicinity of fantasy value. And that's why we're talking. He really needs like a 60% bump over what he's doing right now to hit fantasy value. He's got to go from 20 to like 32. It's a big, big leap. Because then, presumably, the field goal percent will be a notable positive. Now, he's at 7.5 field goal attempts per game right now, adding another 60% to that, which I want to make sure I'm doing this right, is about another 4 shots per game. So 7.5 goes to like 11.5 or 12. The free throw becomes a bigger negative. That's true. Uh, but points goes from 11 to 17. Rebounds goes from 5.5 to like 8, 8 plus. Assists doesn't change all that much. 1 to maybe 1.5. Steals goes from 0.3 to 0.5. Blocks goes from 0.5 to 0.7. These things matter. They don't seem like a lot, but those matter on the sort of small counting stats. So now you're talking about somebody who's at 17 and 9 with 1.2 defensive stats and is helpful in field goal percent. So he's got to get all the way to full, kind of maxed-out starters minutes, which, even when he's healthy, might not happen, but I don't want us to be behind on this one. What's the possibility that it doesn't happen? possibility that it doesn't happen is that Rashawn Holmes gets 20 minutes, and that keeps Bagley stuck at 27 or 28, which might look good. He'll have some 20 and 10 games mixed in there, but the awful percentages and the, you know, 12 and 6 games blended in with poor defensive stats, that will sag that down. You got to remember law of averages. Law of averages on Marvin Bagley. Ivica Zubats is also on the ads board. I, I think he's generally been re-added, but he got dropped in a lot of spots because his timeline on the calf thing was uh, super nebulous, and then he just showed back up again. And now let's talk about the Grizzlies. I jumped over the Grizzlies because they're a uh, super complicated team right now. <laughs> and our uh, our buddy David Williams, who had to miss the trade deadline show yesterday because he has flu B, is uh, he's in recovery now and he wants us talking Grizzlies. All right, that's fair. Let's talk Grizzlies. Um, so uh, Memphis yesterday, you know, I think this this loss to Chicago at home for the Grizzlies was a decent example of what to expect from Memphis going forward. Meaning Vince Williams started, played 37 minutes. He's a must-play in every format. Uh, JJJ, until he gets shut down, started, took 22 shots, must-play in every format. And beyond that, there are some question marks. Let's start with Santi Aldama. He played 37 minutes yesterday. If he gets 13 shots a game, he's very much a start. Provided he doesn't you know, have like 42-65 splits like earlier this year, and it's much more like 45-75. So more like last year, you know, mid to high 40s from the field, mid 70s from the free throw line. You can stomach those size negatives in the percentages. You cannot stomach 42 and 60-something. If that's where the percentages end up, Aldama will be a drop. I want to be perfectly clear. I remain somewhat bullish on him, though, this season. I don't think he's going to be a factor as the Grizzlies get healthy in following years. Uh, but right now, especially with JJJ still kind of lingering out there as a shutdown risk, and he will at some point, I, I don't think Aldama is old enough or skilled enough to be part of the shutdown brigade. He might get some games off here and there if he's feeling sore in any capacity, and that'll be the case for pretty much anybody on the team. But if he's upright, healthy, not in foul trouble, and not playing horrendously on a given night, he should see starters minutes as well. Jacob Gilliard is a no for me. Trey Jameson is a no for me. John Conchar is a no for me, unless a couple other guys end up missing some time. He just doesn't really want to shoot. So that gets us down to two names on the board that I haven't talked about yet. Those players are Gigi Jackson and Scottie Pippen Jr., and I'll admit, I think the verdict is actually still out on both of these guys for 9-cat. Scottie Pippen Jr. has a better 9-cat game 
than G.G. Jackson. More assists, more defensive stats. I would venture to guess on a night-to-night basis, slightly less rough percentages because he's less of a ball chucker. Pippen Jr. is at 50 and 71 on the percentages right now, so the field goal percent actually is helping a tiny bit. Free throw, not so much. Uh, G.G. Jackson is at 43 and 71, so hurting you in both. But Jackson is also seemingly more likely to have the higher usage the rest of the way. So we kind of have to try to balance these two things in our minds. Can Gigi do enough in the fire and away department to overcome the fact that, yeah, I'm, you know, yesterday he had good percentages, 50 and uh, 5 for 6 at the free throw line. Great. That's a one-game sample size. Over the season so far, and again, this can change because he's young and it's not like he's played all that much, the 43-71, probably a better indicator of what to expect at least the rest of this year. Whereas with Pippen, the 50-71, and 71, negative in one, very small positive in the other, has made him much closer to a fantasy play. It shouldn't be surprising that Scottie Pippen Jr. is number 170 in 9-cat in 22 minutes, and Gigi Jackson, in the same number of minutes, is outside the top 200, which doesn't separate them by all that much. Players in that range are, are pretty close in ranking. But here's the thing. Pippen Jr. gets assists. He gets steals. Not that many threes, but some. Gigi Jackson is going to be more scoring, more threes. I think he's a little bit sort of unseasonably high in blocks. That feels fluky. So fewer defensive stats. I'm spending a lot of time on this. I know. Uh, the point I want to make is I think I would prefer, if I'm talking about a Roto Games cap, I don't think I'm playing either of them. Head-to-head, GG Jackson is probably the safer play just because he's going to go get you a bunch of counting stats every day. Pippen's minutes have been a little bit more in flux lately. If you're looking for the better Roto guy, the one that's less likely to hurt you on any given day, that's Pippen. If you're looking for the can-I-catch-lightning-in-a-bottle guy, which tends to play up a little bit on head-to-head, you know, if you're punting a particular percentages, that plays up also on the head-to-head side, that's Gigi Jackson. So I don't think there's a correct answer for everyone between these two guys. You guys know me. I'm more of a nine-cat guy, meaning I don't punt all that often unless I have to. I play a lot of Roto as well. I play both. So for me, I prefer Scottie Pippen Jr. in nine-cat. Points leagues, G.G. Jackson is a must-add guy. Got to throw that caveat in at the end. Because who cares if he's chucking and missing? Because if he's out there getting a ton of usage, that just plays in points leagues. Those are the ads of the week. Opportunity here mid-show to remind you guys to check out our buddies at manscaped.com. Valentine's Day is coming up. Great time to get yourself some uh, hedging tools and deal with your various hairs, whatever shape they may be. For me, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I did clean up my neck for yesterday's trade deadline show. I sort of brought in the, the beard a little bit also. I wanted to be... Uh, look professional. I put on a collared shirt. It uh, The golf term is, eh, that'll play. Uh, and that played for me for the second half of my day as well, because then I had to go do some play-by-play stuff, and I looked professional for that as well. The nice thing about Manscaped is you will not have to get sideburn trimmers the rest of your life. So check out their website. They've got some sweet, sweet goods. It's Ethos20. That's the promo code. Ethos20. Gets you 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Also, mid-show reminder, at Dan Bespris on social, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please take a second, if you're liking what we're doing here, to like, rate, and subscribe. That's the big button. Subscribe, no matter how you're taking in our various podcasts and contents, follows, and subscriptions. That is the way that we push this boat out into the ocean, but I need you guys to actually be the ones clicking the button to do it. Holds is a big font for you guys. I can go big on the font when there aren't that many names. Cam Johnson is a hold. 
Luckily, he's been playing better prior to the injury, so that, I think, made this one a little bit simpler. A week and a half ago, I would have had to beg you guys to hold Cam Johnson. I don't think we need to do that right now. The Nets got thinner at the deadline. Uh, they brought in Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young, uh, but they sent out Royce O'Neal. They sent out Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think Ben Simmons is going to last the rest of the year, but even if he does, I actually don't think that that hurts Cam Johnson at all. In fact, it may even get him more open looks. His aggression has been better since he started shooting the ball well again three, four games back. Hopefully, he doesn't have to miss much more time. But look, if you go for the full season run right now, he's ranked right next to Darius Garland, and ain't nobody asking about starting him night to night. So leave me alone on the Cam Johnson front. Leave me alone. He'll be fine. Hold and start, frankly. Terry Rozier is a hold. I'm not sure he needed to be on here either. This is more for posterity. He's starting to put up some numbers in Miami. They're not outstanding, but, you know, they'll get it done. And uh, this one's this one's a weirder one. I threw Sadiq Bey on this list because, uh, not because I think he's good, but because I think he's warming up. He's been awful, like career worst in corner three-point percentage where he was, like, pretty good, actually, prior to this season. And, yeah, it's possible that he's just terrible from the corner the whole year. Guys have up years and down years. But it seems like he's been shooting the ball better last couple of games. He's got some confidence back. And that would actually go a long way towards sort of fending off DeAndre Hunter uh, and and or Bogdan Bogdanovich, honestly. Because if Sadiq Bey suddenly goes on a heater, he'll just get more playing time. So I don't know that he's going to be a hold the rest of the season. But if he's about to go on a warm run, uh, that buys him a little bit of time even as the Hawks get healthy. So this one's a more of a temporary play. Here's the I'm scared board. Karis LeVert, I believe he's a drop. Max Struess, uh, I think he's finally a drop. I'm getting, I'm beyond irritated with the field goal percent. I know he gets you rebounds and he gets you assists and he gets you some steals, he gets you some blocks, and the minutes have been pretty good. But he just can't consistently hit shots. I never thought he was going to get up to 50%, but I thought we could get to like 42, 43 and it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards. I know he's number 111, so technically he should be a start, but he's at 40.5% from the field. And honestly, it just hurts too much. Field goal per, or the free throw percent is weirdly low also. So I keep looking at him like, surely these are going to improve. And then they just haven't. I mean, this was a guy who shot 88% at the foul line last year. 79 the year before that. So maybe that was the, maybe the 88 was the outlier, but 78... Feels low, and 40 and a half from the field feels low. And frankly, 34 from three point land feels low. He's at 35 last year and 41 the year before that. Some of that's that Miami magic. I just know the second that I put him on this board as someone that I'm probably dropping, he's going to start cooking for a few weeks again. But, you know, it is what it is. I got to go with the data that's in front of me. Uh, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, someone was asking me why I'm not higher on these guys. Um, it's the inconsistency more than anything. Suggs has been pretty decent the last few weeks, or it felt like it. And even despite that, he's, what, like 150 range to two steals per ballgame because he's shooting 38% from the field and 63 at the free throw line. And then Fultz, who's actually been a little bit better over that run, uh, he's at 53% from the field and 1.7 steals per game. These guys are both basically just steals streamers. The reason Fultz is ranked higher is because he hasn't been that brutally horrible in the percentages. But we're talking about a guy averaging 9.5 points, 3.5 assists, and then just a bunch of steals. And that's why I'm not higher. It's sort of an unsustainable model that, frankly, if you extrapolated that fantasy line over an entire year he wouldn't be ranked as high as he is right now it's sort of a it's kind of like the small sample size board effect as opposed to like is he doing something over a small sample size no it's what everybody else is doing and now that's how he ends up ranked as high as he is i'm putting ben simmons on this list because honestly i just don't want to deal with him i don't want to deal with him 
head-to-head side, he's going to get a lot of days off. This is going to be a very slow, molasses speed ramp up for his minutes per game. I don't know when he's going to get to 26, 27 minutes. And even then, he wasn't inside the top 100 earlier this year. Roto, if you really want to hold on, you can treat him like an injured player and just leave him on your bench for the next two to three weeks, see if his minutes trend up far enough. I am a throwback moment here. I don't know if you guys remember the first years of this podcast with my buddy Vince Miracle where we had a sound effect for someone else's headache. We stamped him. We stamped him for the S-E-H, someone else's headache. Ben Simmons right now is an S-E-H. Stamped ya. I don't want to deal with it. And then Boyan Bogdanovich, this is an I'm nervous play right now. The Knicks are luckily so thin at the moment that he'll probably play and shoot a bunch for the next couple of weeks. But as OG Ananobi comes back from his elbow surgery, and then when Julius Randle comes back, uh, the job is just going to slowly shrink. The walls are going to kind of come in on Bogdanovich. In, similarly, they're probably going to come in on Josh Hart. They're probably going to come in on Dante DiVincenzo. There are four guys for the Knicks that weren't there in their last ball game that are just going to slowly trickle in. Like you'll get Boyan and Burks coming in, and then, you know, a couple weeks down the line, you'll have OG come back. Like they said, reevaluated in three weeks. And then a week or two after that, you'll have Randall back. And so, yeah, you can ride guys for whatever length of time, a week here, a week there, sort of do it until you do it. Uh, and yeah, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich gives you another couple of weeks here. So this is not a drop. This is an I'm nervous. This is a look ahead kind of thing. And I probably should notate that when it's a little more clear. So Boyan, not a drop yet. Lavert is a drop. Struess, a drop. Simmons, a headache. Suggs, droppable. Fultz, I believe, droppable. And that I maybe gave a little bit more context to that board. Your watch list, we already talked about Scottie Pippen Jr. The other three names on my watch list are Josh Green and Dallas. I think he's just sort of playing over his head right now, so I don't think I'm adding him. Corey Kispert in Washington, who is just chucking away right now. I don't know if the Wizards pull the plug on anybody. Like, maybe Kuzma gets some days off. I'd love for them to just take Jordan Poole out of the lineup altogether. They didn't trade Tyus Jones, uh, I was all ready to make Corey Kispert a trade deadline ad because I thought for sure when Gafford got moved, that meant that uh, Tyus was right behind him. And it just, you know, he needed to open up some more stuff. Uh, but keep an eye on Kispert. Suddenly he's out there and he's just taking a whole bunch of shots. And if that somehow sticks, that'd be a pretty good three-point scoring type. But I, I think we need to see it for at least a few more games. And then Gordon Hayward with a parenthetical remark. And the parenthetical remark for those that are listening and not watching is the word blech. I don't like Gordon Hayward. He's still multiple weeks away. But we'll put him on the watch list. Just in case. There's like a 2% chance that he ends up as a 12-teamer. That's not zero, though. Quick update on the stream while warm, guys. Also, uh, I, I've... You know what? I meant to add something so you guys can watch me do it. I, I want to call these guys the stream while warm or sell while hot group so some of these guys get hot some of them get real hot and then you could cash them in uh i'll try to distinguish between the two if possible bobby portis he's a stream while warm no one's gonna buy on him nasri same avdia he might be able to sell him when he gets hot Clarkson's definitely a sell while hot guy. Because remember like a week and a half ago, Jordan Clarkson was averaging like 30 points a game for a few days. And suddenly everybody was like, ooh, this is going to last the whole year. And then it didn't. RJ Barrett, same general thing. Someone in my Twitter mentions was like, the disrespect. And I'm like, what? What do you mean the disrespect? He's just super streaky. And he's not going to magically become a 55% shooter. He's going to run hot, and he's going to run cold. And he's hot these days. So do it, man. See what you can get. Think of the month, what has it been, about a month since he got traded? A little less than that? He's averaging like 23, 6, and 4 over that stretch on 54% shooting. 
and he's barely inside the top 100 because he's a free throw tank. Turnovers are high, steals and blocks are not all that outstanding. They're they're okay. That's the thing. Uh, if you can find a punt free throw team, or if you're on a punt free throw team, obviously you can stomach it a little bit better. If you're a punt both percentages team, you can stomach it a lot better. But just realize he's not just going to shoot 54% the rest of the year. It's one of the clearest sell highs. So go get something for him. Because there are people out there that are yelling at me that I'm disrespecting him by saying to sell when he's hot. Which, I don't understand how that's disrespect. This is just a very streaky dude. We've known this for years. It's not disrespectful to just say what it is. But when he gets super hot like this, it lasts long enough sometimes that people are like, maybe this is the moment. Even though we're like a decade into it not being the moment. Uh, Kevin Herter, I don't think you're going to be able to sell on him, so probably just ride it out. Same story for Malik Monk. Jeremy Sohan, he'll probably get hot again at some point in the next two months, like he was for a couple weeks, and you're going to get people saying the same thing. And look, it doesn't... I don't want I don't want you guys listening to, to think that I'm, like, calling you a name for believing in it when you see it. It's just that these things, they happen in a rotation, a grand dance. Guys get hot for long enough. Sometimes, like, they hit this 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 needle tip point where some people start to go, hmm, maybe it's real this time. And that's the moment when you can sell. Jalen Green, same thing. Although, with Freddie Van Vliet out, maybe, maybe you ride it. But man, if the percentages come back off again, you get crushed. And same story for Cam Thomas. He got so hot. He got so hot that people were just like, yes, this is it. He's going to be top 40 forever. And then he started shooting 22% on massive volume. And we're like, oh no, it's not. So these guys get hot. See what you can get. Um, there's sort of like an honorable mention to Jonathan Kaminga on this list, but I also think that he's probably, he's good enough to maintain a nine-cat start. So he's a play all the time, but more of a more of a traditional sell-high as opposed to like this sell-high streamer group that I felt like I needed to separate from the pack. Injury replacements. This is a fast one because we just get to tell you who the names are and who they're replacing. Uh, Dasunmu, I still think is worth playing. Um, even though we've got this Andre Drummond thing going on, that's with Pat, uh, Patrick Williams and, and Zach Levine out for the year. Patrick Williams, not out for the year, Zach Levine out for the year. Eric Gordon, I loathe streaming him, but he did have a good ball game yesterday. He's, uh, with Devin Booker out. Josh Hart for OG Ananobi, Precious Achua for Julius Randle, and now Isaiah Hartenstein. Miles Deuce McBride for Jalen Brunson. Paul Reed and Kelly Oubre Jr. for Joel Embiid. Uh, although, you know, we'll see what happens there with Buddy Heald and um, DeAnthony Melton coming back, what that does to Oubre. Al Horford, any Boston starter. Although, I mentioned it on a show two days back. Horford is actually inside the top 90 on the year, mostly because he's had all of these fill-in games. But that's actually a good enough number to just play him like roto he should just be on rosters this year have him in on your bench if you want to for when somebody sits nick richards because mark williams is never coming back uh they said he was going to be reevaluated in four weeks mitch kupchak was quoted as saying they expect him to play at some point this year i don't know about that and then with P.J. Washington gone, one would hope that this helps Nick Richards a little bit. He'd been trending down pretty hard lately, so maybe this buys him a little bit of time. Uh, Brandon Pajemski with Clay Thompson out. It was Wiggins before that, and it was Clay before that. Uh, he may end up being playable even when the Warriors are at full strength, but for right now, we're just going to take the sort of conservative route and say he's a fill-in until I see otherwise. Uh, Jay Crowder and Malik Beasley with Dame and Chris Middleton out, but now I think all of those guys... Middleton is out. Dame is questionable, and if he plays, I think you just toss any of this this Buck stuff out the window, which would make all of our lives easier. Uh, <laughs> great comment in the chat room. I'm going to get this up in a minute. Great comment from Jeff. Uh, Matisse Thibault and Jabari Walker in Portland because they were missing four guys in this last ball game. Uh, if I can remember which ones. No Shaden Sharp, no Malcolm Brogdon, 
uh, no Scoot, and then Simons went down mid-game. Oh, and no DeAndre Ayton and no Duop Reith. Uh, so actually it was six. You guys are asking me how many guys I think needed to be hurt for Jabari Walker to have value, and I said three. Uh, well, six will get it done. Same story for Thibel. But if half of those guys come back in the next ball game, I don't think that I would take the plunge. I presume that Rashawn Holmes is going to put up some numbers in Washington while Marvin Bagley's out because he's the only center on the whole damn roster. And even if Holmes is sort of like a shell version of previous Holmes, he'll have almost no choice but to log mid-20 or higher in minutes, and that's kind of double-double good percentages, steal block kind of thing. I don't think he's going to blow anybody away, but maybe he goes into it. I said it on the trade deadline show. Maybe he ends up here in basketball hell and kind of reinvigorates himself with no pressure. He's in a no-pressure spot right now. Larry Nance Jr. is a play with Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, questionable? So if he plays, don't do it. And if JV doesn't play, then you can stream Nance. Uh, and Amon Thompson, who I almost forgot about, but I snuck him in there at the very end of the list. This is with Freddie Van Vliet out. Dylan Brooks might also be a fill-in with Van Vliet out, but I have trouble trusting Dylan Brooks, as we all probably should. And here's the uh, hilarious post that I wanted to get on there. Bay's numbers won't improve if you keep calling him Shirley. This is an airplane reference. Well done, Jeff. I enjoyed that immensely. And here is the final board that I had to add for this week, and we'll spend a minute or two on this one. This board is called the Trade Deadline Names of Intrigue. Some of them we've already talked about, so we can zip past those like Marvin Bagley. Others we have not. In fact, most of them we have not. Gary Trent Jr. is a name of intrigue uh, because Dennis Schroeder got shipped out from the Raptors. They brought in Spencer Dinwiddie and waived him. So uh, the Raptors basically just cleared out minutes. Gary Trent was starting already. Does he continue to start with Ochai Abaji and Kelly Olynyk in town? Who, ah, you know what? Damn it, I forgot to put them on the list here. Let me add uh, Gary Trent Jr., Kelly Olynyk. I'm not super invested in Abaji. I don't think he's going to play enough or do enough. Um, but Kelly Olynyk. Damn, man, I uh, I feel bad. He should have been in the ads board. Everybody, we're going back to the top of the sheet. We're going back to the top of the sheet, and we're adding Kelly Olynyk to my ads board. So let's talk about Kelly uh, and Gary Trent Jr. I think Olynyk is going to play 25 minutes in Toronto because they're so small without him, and he's a floor-spacing, ball-moving big man. Who there's no reason he shouldn't he couldn't play alongside Dennis Schroeder. It would give Scotty Barnes some opportunity to play the three. Uh, they could play Kelly at those backup center minutes as well. It just feels like, you know, Jakob Pertl, what is he gonna play? 29 minutes or something like that? What's Pertle at on the year? I should talk look this up before I say it. He's at 29 minutes right now. That leaves 19 backup center minutes, which are basically all gonna belong to Olenek now. So if he gets six power forward minutes. I think that probably makes him a top 100 guy. You know, Olenek is inside the top 200 this year in 18 minutes a game because he's at seven boards, five boards, five assists, and he hasn't gotten... That's over the last couple of weeks, excuse me, not on the year. I should be more clear here. He's number 152 in 20 minutes on the year on eight, five, and four with, frankly, lower steals and blocks than I would have expected, but a positive in both percentages. This is another situation where we just say, okay, let's add 20 to 30% to what he's doing here. 20% of 8 is 1.6. 25% would be 2. So now he's at 10 points. You add a rebound. You add an assist. You add 0.1 to 0.2 steals, probably 0.1 and a half. Now you're talking about 10, 6, and 5 with over, over a three-pointer, near a steal, probably more blocks, honestly, uh, and positive in both percentages that, that's definitely a guy that's inside the top 100 unquestionably and to me there's room for growth on top of that but does that mean that if the team wants to go big does that ice out gary trent jr yeah it would i don't think that both of these guys can be winners trent jr and olenic i think it's gonna have to be either one the other or neither if they just sort of 
cannibalize each other around the guys the Raptors are definitely going to play, like Quickly and Barrett and Pirtle and Barnes. But again, those four guys, what, all together, uh, I, I, we could just look up the numbers here. They're probably somewhere around 120-ish, say four times 30, 120 to 130 minutes, and that leaves a lot of minutes on the table. You know, 48 times 5 is 240. And those four guys, even if we very liberally say they all play 35 minutes a game, is only 140. So there's plenty of ways to squeeze enough minutes to Kelly Olynyk to get him to fantasy value. You need more to get Gary Trent there, but that's why he's a name of intrigue. I added Olynyk in a few spots, specifically 9-cat Roto, where his game really plays up. Gary Trent I have in a couple of spots, I'm a little bit less bullish on him, uh, and that's why he's more of a name of intrigue, as is Dennis Schroeder, who I think is probably going to end up as an add and a playable guy in Brooklyn. We don't know for sure if he's just going to get a stranglehold on the starters' minutes. Could he end up splitting them with Dennis Smith Jr., who's also, by the way, on this uh, trade deadline names of intrigue board. DSJ, I think, is more of a watch guy. Schroeder's probably more of, a, of an ad stash guy to see how this goes. Walker Kessler and John Collins are both going to world beat in Utah for the foreseeable future. And now I am beyond pissed at myself for dropping John Collins in the one league I had him in uh, because he just stepped into even more center minutes. And he was doing enough, barely, in the center minutes he was getting before this, but now a Linux gone, and that opens up 20 minutes, basically, of big man stuff in Utah. And they're not going to just give all that to Taylor Hendricks. He'll get more of the Abaji stuff. Uh, Kessler, you, I mean, we saw it in yesterday's game, and I know Utah has some guys that are uh, on the on the way in. Uh, but Walker Kessler played 27 minutes, and John Collins played 30 in yesterday's loss in Phoenix. And they both put up colossal fantasy lines. And it, it might not always be this outstanding, but Walker Kessler could easily be a top 50 guy the rest of the way. John Collins could easily be a top 75 guy the rest of the way. Uh, and that's those are pretty big wins. Chris Dunn, Keontae George, other Utah names that I'm more keeping a watch on. George played 30 minutes, but he has those young ball handler issues, or he'll probably play up a little bit for points league style. Chris Dunn is more of a nine-cat kind of guy because he doesn't score very much, but he does a bunch of other stuff. As I've said before, if if Utah runs Chris Dunn out there for 24 minutes or more every game, I would probably add him. It just hasn't been that reliably consistent lately. It's been close. Last month, he's at 20 minutes per game. Last two weeks, he's at... Where the hell is he at his last two weeks? Is he still at 20 over that stretch? Or did my internet just chunk out? 24 minutes over the last week, and he's number 100. So... Barely repeatable, but watchable. Detroit has four names that are on the names of Intrigue board. Uh, Osser Thompson, who uh, probably should have been back on the ads table also. How did I do this twice? Did I miss? Maybe I was like, oh, don't worry, Dan. You put him on the players of Intrigue list. You don't have to put him on anything else. Um, let's get Osser on the, on the ads board. Although, I will admit, I have some fears still about how his game is going to hold up as the energy now is just not the same as it was at the beginning of the year. Um, but Thompson is kind of an ad-first kind of intrigue name. Uh, and then the other names on this, I think, are probably more watch-listy, although Marcus Sasser had a nice game for Detroit yesterday in their overtime win in Portland. He took 13 shots and had 17 points and 11 assists, which, yeah, probably not a number that pops up every game. Uh, you know, we saw Sasser earlier this year. He profiles as a uh, more of a three-point type guy. It was 16 minutes a game on the season. He's at eight points, three assists. I don't think that's a thing that just sort of doubles to 16 and six. Could the steals get from half a steal to like to one? Maybe. Um, I like the fact that he's not a negative in free throw percent. That's helpful for guys that are uh, young and he's a rookie. Um, and he's played big minutes in two games in a row, and the numbers have been okay, but not outstanding. And that you know that eleven assist game is such a massive outlier for him that I almost feel like we have to just dump it. 
So I like Sasser. I think he'd be probably the first guy to look at in Detroit here. Um, Quinton Grimes is hurt. He's a guy that I do want to see how he does in Detroit because it feels like the way they're talking about the return on the Boyan Bogdanovich deal, I think they're going to play him. Uh, but he also has some stuff, some issues with his fantasy game. And then Simona Fontecchio, who they got from Utah, is also probably going to play a little bit. And then do these guys all just sort of eat up each other's buckets? That's also a possibility. There's a very real chance that none of these guys ends up with value because Detroit got some young guys that can shoot, and they're going to sort of see which of them fit better. If I had to guess, I'd say the odds among these four players that they have value down the stretch, Thompson would be number one, Sasser number two, Grimes number three once he's healthy, and then Fontecchio number four. But I could get that completely backwards, and it wouldn't surprise me. And then the Hornets are the last uh, deadline team of intrigue. Cody Martin, who is going to go crazy while nobody's there, which uh, I think we heard that nobody, none of the new Hornets are suiting up for their game tonight, right? Yeah, they're in Milwaukee, and I think the news broke that the you know the players haven't all passed their physicals and stuff like that. But if you look at, back at the Hornets' most recent ball game, Cody Martin... Uh, he left and came back in the middle of that one, or the minutes could have potentially been a little bit higher. But this is a team that uh, sent out P.J. Washington from that team that we saw on, I guess that'd be Wednesday night, and P.J. played 31 minutes. So this is really a who's who of who? So Miles Bridges is going to take 30 shots. Like, it's just going to be wild. Brandon Miller's going to take 20 shots. I'm exaggerating a little bit. And then, as much as Cody Martin doesn't want to be a feature offensive guy, for the next game, one game, he's kind of going to have no choice. So this is one of those things. I, I've referred to it before. I haven't been able to use this term all that much this season. I don't know why. I think uh, probably just bad luck. Uh, but do you guys remember the term streamer with benefits? We use that a lot during sort of the COVID era where guys were coming and going and we had no idea who was going to stick in a lineup and if they ended up with long COVID they might just sort of like lose their job for a while streamer with benefits was a term that I coined two seasons back to uh to basically talk about kind of like the Wally Pip situation which maybe now I need to go even farther back uh Wally Pip was a baseball player in uh the 19 or the teens, I think, the 19-teens and the early 1920s, who is best known for getting hurt and losing his starting job to Lou Gehrig. It's not a thing that happens all that much. And the reason it was notable for Wally Pipp uh, is because he was actually very good. He wasn't bad. It wasn't like he was a bad baseball player. He got hurt, and then he just got passed by an all-world baseball player. That kind of describes this whole idea of the streamer with benefits. As in, is Cody Martin a terrible basketball player? No. But uh, was the guy in front of him, like, all-world? No. And and the, the parallels drop a little when you're like, oh, is Cody Martin Luke? Lou Gehrig? No. Uh, but it's a situation where a job opened up for him for reasons that didn't really have much to do with him. That's the parallel. Lou Gehrig wasn't the starter. Got the job because somebody just got hurt. Cody Martin, not really a stud, but has a job now because half the team is hurt and the other half got traded. And there's some overlap there. Gordon Hayward is both hurt and traded. What's Cody Martin going to do when LaMelo Ball comes back? Or when Trey Mann shows up? Or Mitchich or whoever is rolling into Charlotte these days? We don't know. But there's a non-zero chance that he keeps the job and keeps doing stuff. And so it's one of those things where if you saved your moves all week, it doesn't really hurt you to pick up Martin right now. You know? Like, you know he's going to be good for one game. And then there's a chance that he's good for more than that. We just don't know. Could he be good the rest of the season? Maybe. What is good 
what are we even trying for with Martin? Because so far this year, his percentages have been really, really bad. Is he a 45% shooter from the field, or is he 39? Because that's what he's been so far this year. He's a bad foul shooter. He gets steals and blocks and assists and boards a little bit. Doesn't score all that much. So then you look at this last ball game, and you're like, well, 19-5-8. That's a guy who had to do some stuff. Why did I not pick him up in a bunch of leagues myself? Well, because I don't trust those percentages. And I also think that at some point he sort of re-pumpkinifies. But there is a chance that he's a streamer with benefits, someone who just has to do a ton for one night that then ends up sort of falling in love with doing more stuff. And then Trey Mann is another name of intrigue. I am not as high on him as uh, some others. And the only reason I know that others are high is because people keep asking me why I'm not higher on him, and I keep getting yelled at on Twitter about it. Um, I think Trey Mann might be a guy that perhaps profiles better as a points league option because he is a... Uh, I know he's shooting 50% from the field this year, but... Small sample size is the understatement of the universe. He's done that in 13 games, uh, and I think he's taken a total of 40 shots. I think he's 20 for 40 this year. Yeah, uh, that ain't much. Um, previous two seasons where he actually played more for the Thunder, he was shooting 39%. Exact same percentage both years, by the way, 39.3. He's a sub-80% foul shooter. He doesn't rebound very much. Doesn't assist all that much. Might get you some steals. That's a possibility. I don't think we know for sure. Doesn't block shots. So what's the best case scenario here for him? 15 points, three boards, two assists, and a steal on bad percentages. That would probably play in points leagues. That would not play in nine cat. So that's why I haven't been uh, higher on Trey Mann. Um, but I am in a, uh, a, a, you guys know I call it sort of my goofy league. Uh, I'm in a goofy league, and former uh, hoop baller Josh Millman picked up Trey Mann in that one uh, because maybe free throw and field goal volume push him over the the hump. Nine cat? I don't think so. And that I believe, yeah, that's our board for the week. Woof. Um, I am going to try to get a show to you guys over the weekend. I don't think it's going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be an exceptionally busy day. We've got some kids stuff in the morning. I've got some more play-by-play in the afternoon and evening. Uh, but let's see. You know what? You guys can watch me check my phone to see what the family calendar looks like for Sunday. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't look too bad. Sunday's pretty open. I think I'll get you guys a show on Sunday. How do you like that? Uh, because I really would like to get some information out there about what we see tonight and tomorrow as players start to make their debuts. But again, like you heard, uh, with Charlotte, when the hell does Charlotte have another game? Do they? They're not on a back-to-back, are they? That would be really nice. They are on a back-to-back, so you probably see the new players on Saturday there. So that's good. Um, you'll probably see the new Brooklyn players on Saturday. You'll probably see the new Toronto players, I'm guessing, uh, on Saturday. So a lot of these teams have a back-to-back today, tomorrow, uh, that had changes, meaning we might not get the information today, but we might get it tomorrow. So a show on Sunday would be, I think, a really good time to kind of dig in and uh, and get you guys some a report on that. We'll probably see the new Pistons on Saturday as well. That's going to be a critical day to see what's going on, uh, and we'll probably make some moves that night as well. And if you guys want to know what moves we're making immediately, that's what social media is for. Come on over. At Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, I'll try to get you guys the goods as the games are ending. And again, I say it now, I really do think that Saturday's card is going to be a difference maker for us down the stretch. They're a long, you guys know we talk about the ebb and the flow of a fantasy season. Sometimes we go three, four weeks where the only pickups are because guys get hurt. This weekend is an opportunity to find rest of season players in a way that just hasn't really been a thing for the last three months it's a critical time don't lose your focus friday saturday just because you're going into a weekend or whatever just because the trade deadline's done stay locked in something big is going to pop up today or tomorrow we're going to want to be there for it 
Again, thank you, everybody. Like, rate, subscribe. Like, rate, and subscribe. Those are those three big things. I need you guys to take just six seconds to do it. I know it's it feels like a lot, but I promise you it's not. That's how we keep growing this thing. We're at an hour. I don't know why I did an hour-long show after doing nine yesterday. I need lunch. How about the rest of y'all? Anyway, at Dan Vespers on social. We'll talk to you over there, and I'll see you guys uh, back here for a show on Sunday. Later.